Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Glad you guys are here. Glad you guys are watching online. We're going to get started, and so we're going to pause. We're going to pray before we do. Lord, it's good to pause. It's, it's good to be still, even though it's so difficult. Uh, it's necessary, and we are doing... It now, so that we can allow our lives to have time of reflection, time for inspiration, making room for your spirit's work within our lives, however that shows up. And so we pray, Lord, that as we are here and as we are giving this time, that you would, through our time, Encourage, strengthen, inspire us. And we look forward to that happening. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning again, everybody. Good to see you guys here. Got the birthday girl. Brought your pastries here. Um, few things I want to talk about before we get started. Um, keep Judy Crutchfield up in prayer. She is having hip replacement surgery on October 6th. And so um, she's kind of preparing for that. And so we want to be praying for her. And just uh, she's looking for a caretaker uh, for after the surgery, someone who can help her. She, they have to stay there at the house. She's got two rooms, um, but she's going to need someone for a period of time to, you know, help her since she won't be able to walk and things like that. And so um, if you know someone, um, let me know and I can refer them because they're going to have to go through Lisa, I think, uh, who's going <laughs> to grill them, make sure they take care of her mom right. Um, but uh, if you do know someone, they're looking for someone and they have other you know, resources, but I just thought I would throw that out there and keep that in our thoughts too. And Pat, if you're watching, Judy misses you. Just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we all miss you. Um, also, I had a meeting yesterday. I'm on the board for, for a reason uh, with the group we do work with in Haiti. And 
you know, hearing some news about all the things that are happening in Haiti, uh, it, it just sparked something again in me. And, and I love it when those kinds of things happen, when it feels like, you know, you're cruising through life and you don't realize that you're a little bit numb. And then all of a sudden someone comes with those life paddles and just shock you and you just kind of like... Life's happening still. I'm not going to give up, right? It's kind of like those movies. I'm not going to die yet. I'm going to go forward. And, and so I, I was just, again, thinking about the things that we've done in Haiti and the needs that are there. If you aren't aware, and probably most of us aren't, because it's not in the news a lot, we know more about the Kardashians than we do about Haiti. Um, and I know nothing about the Kardashians. So they're in turmoil right now. The, there is no, uh, the country is basically being run by gangs as far as control goes. And so they are trying to put together a, a multinational force, kind of like a NATO thing, to come and bring a presence of police force there so that they can start bringing some order back to the place of the country and get the infrastructure back in place. The problem with the police force is that they get paid nothing, and so it's easy to bribe them so that they can be used by these gangs to continue the corruption. And and so fortunately, the schools that they've been sponsoring outside of the main cities are still functioning, even though the whole country is kind of in the shambles. Kids are still going to school. It's one of the things that are still happening, which is a great thing. Because of organizations like For a Reason, these kids are able to go to school, able to stay in school, and the teachers are getting paid. It costs about $500 for a year for a student. Think about that. It's pretty inexpensive. For a nursing student, it's like $5,500 for the year which is nothing compared to what we would have to pay. And so we are going to be looking at ways to maybe do some things to sponsor some kids, to keep them in school, to help things go, keep going. We've been a part of it in the past, and it's a need that we can definitely meet here in the future. Even if we all get together, a little can provide a lot for them. And thinking about that too, before the pandemic, We were working together with some schools, providing care for some of the schools. It was one of the schools in Pomona uh, where uh, Gabe's wife, Annette, is a counselor, where the kids have different needs for like deodorant and things like that. And we were getting things together and providing them for her to give to the students as they had needs. And I'd again like to step into some of these things, right? Because these things are life-giving to us. It's not just, oh, it's a good deed. It helps them. Of course it does, but it helps us remember that we represent Jesus. And so these are ways that we can do that. And so I share that with you guys because we want to continue moving forward even in this, you know, state after pandemic and whatever Genesis looks like, we still want to look like Jesus, right? So 
let's do what we can. And I'll give you more information as time comes up. And I know that a lot of you are still already continuing to do things like that. And I want to acknowledge that. It's not like you guys stopped acting like Jesus just because church stopped. So many of you have been generous to so many people helping them through these past two years. And I commend you for that. And no one is singing your praises, but the people who are benefiting from your generosity and your love see God because no one has seen God at any time. But when we love one another, God is seen. That's what First John tells us. And so continue to make God seen by caring for one another. And we want to continue doing that as a community as well. Again, the way we continue to keep things going is through the website and your donations, and you can go to thegenesisstory.com, and there are all the ways to give that are located there on the screen even now. Um, So again, thank you guys for doing that and being with us as we lean into the future uh, to represent Jesus. Okay, today we are continuing through Genesis. We took a little break last week. Again, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Randy. I got a lot of good feedback, people appreciating the talk and the dialogue uh, that we had, and so hopefully it was helpful to you. And I want to jump back into the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at chapters 23 to 25, and actually chapter 26, verse 1. In these chapters, there's two short lists of names, and remember, these lists of names are actually the the breaks in the book. It's the seventh and eighth time this happens in the book of Genesis. And there are ways of transitioning, and there's a big transitioning happening here. Because in these chapters, we see the death of Sarah at the beginning, and we see the death of Abraham. Two main characters who have been a part of the book coming up until this point. And so let's start at chapter 23, verse 1. So Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kerith Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abram went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I am a foreigner and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Sir, listen to us. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs, none of which will refuse you his tomb for buying for your dead. The rest of chapter three goes on a little bit of a dialogue between Abraham and some of the Hittites about how much they're going to pay for the tomb. And it's kind of interesting because it's very cultural. They're saying like, you know, hey, take it. We're not going to withhold anything from you. He goes, well, I I need to buy it from you. How much do you want for it? Well, $400 would not be too much, but what is $400 between us? You can have it if you want. And he's like, I'll give you $400 for it. And then he gets the tomb, right? It's kind of this cultural thing. And maybe you guys have experienced that with families. Like if you were at my family's house and they... uh, asked you if you wanted some more food. And you said, no, I'm full. They'd say, oh, come on. And they'd put it on your plate anyway, right? And a lot of cultures are like that. Maybe even the Hispanic culture is like that. But then there are other cultures where, do you want anything? And maybe you do, but you're trying to be polite and you say, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. And they just say, okay, and they leave. And you're like, what? Wait, I had my chance, right? 
And so depending on the culture you are coming from depends on the interaction that's taking place. And so it seems like a very cultural thing that's happening here. And we see the Hittites show up again. They showed up earlier in chapter 10, I believe it was, and they are the descendants of Canaan who are who is the son of Ham, remember? And so these are those people who are kind of going to be cursed, looking backwards and pointing to the future. But here we see this interaction with them that's very, very cordial. It's like, hey, you're a prince among us. We don't want to withhold anything. Whatever you want, take your choice. Oh, I've got to pay for something. Okay, if you want to pay, pay this much. And so there's this just good dialogue that's taking place, even though there's times where things are going to be sour between these people. Again, the Hittites, there is Uriah, who was a Hittite, who was married to Bathsheba. All these things are important because it's not just a name. It is a group of people who have an identity in this group's mind. And it's important to remember that because These are the things that shaped who they were. And ethnicity and identity was very important because it was very tribal at that time. It was like, what country do you belong? I don't belong to a country. I belong to these people, right? It hasn't gotten to that place yet, but it's getting there. And they're now looking back, pointing to how these things happen. And so we see that Abraham negotiates, get this plot of land for his wife. He's going to bury her there. She lived this long life, and it's the end of Sarah. In verse, or chapter 24, verse 1, we see now that Abraham was very old. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. Okay, this is weird. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. Things are going so good. And then you get something like this, right? And it's like, well, you know, there's this long history in this nation of turning away from the Lord and following false gods. And Ezra talks about that. And we see Solomon giving into that because of the women that he married. And sure, blame it on the women, right? It's they're going to take you away from your gods. It was something that was very important to them. And so this is them trying to hold on to, again, their identity by not letting them go outside and marry one of these foreign women, even though these are the people he just had this dialogue with. There is still this tension. There is still this separation that is taking place. There is still this kind of who are we? Well, we are separate from these people, and this is how we're trying to maintain this separateness. And so he tells him, you got to swear, and he has him put his hand on his thigh, which is just weird. I think it's, I'm sure it has some cultural things. We're just guessing at what it is, but let's just say it's weird because it kind of is for us. And I think that's okay. Even though it meant something to them, you don't have to do it today, okay? <laughs> you know, it's like, let that one go. Uh, and so they're trying to 
hold on to their identity. And so now he's got to find a wife for his son. Which again, it's not like Isaac is some teenager. He's a young man at this time. You know, can he find his own wife? No, dad's going to find him a wife. Dad's going to bless him and he's going to continue. And this is important because Abraham is trying to hold on to something and the story is trying to hold on to an identity and to help the people say that, you see, we are still connected to this identity to this people and not the line of the Canaanites. Remember, that was an important thing. And so they're still trying to hold on to this. And so the story is continuing in this way. And so then there's the story of his servant going to the land where uh, Abraham was from and his servant, you know, throws out this petition, God, the woman who comes and draws well, water from the well and offers me a drink, she's the one, right? And so uh, Rebecca comes and does that and he goes, yeah, she's the one. And then he goes back and finds out that she's actually related to Abraham, that it's her, her father is Abraham's brother. And so it's like Abraham's granddaughter or his brother's granddaughter, I think it is. Anyway, it's a little complicated, a little strange. And then this is it. I found the one. So they go back to the family and says, hey, God told me that whoever does this is going to be his wife. And they're like, okay, who are we to argue with God? I guess she's going to be the wife and heads out. By the way, if anyone tries that on you, don't work with that either. God told me you were the one. I said, whoever walks through that door would be my wife. Sorry. Um, doesn't work. But this is how she comes into the picture. And so it's maintaining the family. And that's what's important to this story is that this family is intact and that they are unique in themselves. And the story continues. Chapter 25, verse one. Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah. Funny, not many of us know of Keturah, right? But he had another wife. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Midian, or Midan and Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were these other guys. And they go on and on. The sons of Midian were Ephrath, Ephrath, those guys. In verse 5, Abraham left everything... (laughs) It's interesting because I guess Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, right? I mean, it it didn't just have Isaac and Ishmael. He had all these kids from these concubines. Verse 5, Abraham left everything he owned, this is important, to Isaac. But while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of the concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Again, we come to a very cultural moment here because this is just an awful thing. Yeah, I had kids, but I'm going to give you a gift. What kind of gift? Who knows? Here's some goats. Here's some cows, whatever it is. Here's a new coat. We don't know what the gifts are, but he gave them something and then sent them away because he didn't want them to be identified with Isaac and his family. And that's what the story is getting to. This is still separate. And to them, that was important. Even though this is just weird, it's terrible. And it's okay. Just like 
we talked about, you know, Abraham offering Isaac or going to offer him. It's like, that, that's not okay. It's not a good thing. It's a story being told to present something important. And this is happening again. And did this happen most likely because this is a big identity for who they are. But so the others are sent away so that they cannot claim to what Abraham has and not take away from Isaac, who is the one of promise, the one whom the nation would come. Verse seven, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpah near Mamre, in the field Yephron, son of Zoar the Hittite. The field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer. No, Beer Lahir Roy. Okay. Interesting thing, I think, in this is it says that his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Because we haven't seen Ishmael in the picture. He, he was cast out as well, but he is close enough where he and Isaac bury his father. With this story, there is a transition taking place where what belonged to Abraham now belongs to Isaac and it's going to belong to Jacob who is Israel. And that's the connection that's being made here. And it's interesting because the crazy thing is the account of the descendants of Abraham's son Isaac in chapter 25 aren't really about Isaac, but about Jacob and Esau. And and although we saw that happen with Abraham's father, Tehran, when he came, it wasn't really about him. It was about Abraham or Terah. Most of the attention here goes to Jacob, whom we're going to get to next, because that's where this story has been leading to. And so Isaac is just this footnote going into what is going to be happening. And he has his 15 minutes of fame, and it's short, and it's sweet, and it's connecting the two. I mean, you think about it, Isaac's fame is that he almost got killed by his dad. That's the biggest thing that he did, right? And and there's no accommodation for him. Isaac, you know, who was known for his faith, you know, God saw him that he didn't think his father was crazy and leave, and he stayed there with his father. And so it was accounted to him for righteous. We don't see that. It's, I mean, that story isn't in this story. He's just kind of this part there. We do see that he goes to Egypt or is warned by God not to go and stays in this one place, but they see his wife, Rebecca, thinks she's pretty, and he says, she's my sister, just like dad did twice, right? So he's got that going. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot going for him, right? The guy is almost killed. The guy has to have someone get him a wife. He can't find a wife on his own. And then he tells everyone his wife's his sister, and that's the account of Isaac, It's like not a whole lot's going on in this guy's life. Not a whole lot standing out. And it's not, we don't say, you know, Isaac is the father of the nations. No, it's Abraham. But Isaac's the actual father of Jacob, but he gets none of the credit. It always goes back to Abraham. 
And I think it's interesting because good or bad, Abraham did a lot, right? Some of what he did was awful. I mean, the things that we read about with Isaac or Ishmael and getting rid of Hagar and all that took place there was awful. Telling people his wife is really his sister twice. That's not a good thing. He's got these arguments kind of going with God, doubting God at some times, even though he's the father of faith and he trusted God. God had to keep reminding him. God makes a covenant with him. God changes the covenant with him and keeps adding. But he was doing things. He's rescuing Lot. He's building, you know, he's going to war with the other tribes. He's building up his family. And history remembers the people who do things, whether it's good or bad. They make a mark because they are involved in doing something. We see nothing of Isaac's accomplishments. He's blessed, it says, because of Abraham. And so he just kind of continues and passes the baton on to his son. I mean, the end of his life, he's kind of senile and doesn't even know which one's Jacob and which one's Esau. Right? It's like he doesn't get a good picture painted. But it doesn't mean that he had a bad life. It's just there isn't a whole lot of notoriety in it. There's not a whole lot that is recognized in it. And maybe he did leave a quiet life. Maybe he, he, you know, the fact that he and his brother were still together, I, I think is telling that he still had that relationship. But there's so much we don't know. But it stands out to me that The people who do things are the people who leave a mark. And whether they do good or bad, it leaves that imprint. And so the the challenge for us is to leave an imprint of good, right? And we've all done things that are bad, and we've all reaped consequences from the things that we've done that are bad, some more than others, depending on the things that we do. Right? This is a consequence of doing something bad and stupid. Right? And my consequence leads to other consequences. The other day we had my grandson Judah came into our room and he had a helium balloon. And we have a ceiling fan and the ceiling fan was going and he was oblivious of the ceiling fan. And he walks in with the helium balloon and I see it going to catch on the fan. So I grab it. I say, no. And I grab the balloon by the string and I pull it down and I hit him on the head. And he's like, oh, you know, I didn't hit him hard. Right. He, he was, he was only out for a couple of minutes. No, he, I, I just, he just went like that. And I go, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. It was just, I didn't want it to get caught on the fan. So I just grabbed it. It was an instinct. And i conked my grandson on the head. It's a consequence of me being on a scooter and trying to take a video and breaking my hand. (laughs) Glad you think that's funny. What are the consequences of us doing good? I, I had a talk with my granddaughter and at school, she was having some problems and wanted to talk to her mom about some of the things that were going on with her. And I told her, you know what? Because she was very upset about some things. And I said, you know, 
if you just blast, well, first I asked her, what do you want to take place in the relationship with your mom? She goes, well, I want us to be, you know, like a mom and daughter should be. I want us to have a good relationship. I want to, you know, have this, you know, emotion for one another. And I said, then what could you do to make that a reality? Because if you just spew out all the things that you're upset at, is that going to happen? And she didn't say anything. But then I met with her teacher and a counselor and her mom, and we all got together. And I was like, okay, I had no idea how this was going to go. I was like, this could go good or this could go bad. I'm not sure. Did she even prepare anything for this? Or is she going to just sit there and say, I don't know why I'm here? You know, it was, she's the one who wanted me to set up the meeting. I did. So we get there. And then she pulls out her phone, and I'm thinking, oh, great, she's going to start playing games or something like that. But she opens up a document and starts reading, and she just reads this most beautiful document about what she wants to take place with her mom. I want you to walk me down the aisle. I want you to hold your grandkids. I want to have this relationship. And it was just emotional. It's just like, oh, my gosh. And at one point in it, she says, you know, someone told me, and she goes, well, actually, it was grandpa. And I thought, this little conversation taking her to school was able to open a door for this relationship to hopefully heal. See, I can conk my son on, a grandson on the head with my cast, or I can have a conversation that can open a door. Our lives do this when we do things. The reason Abraham is noted is because of the things he did, both the good and the bad. Scripture is filled with people who did things. We don't hear about Joe who did nothing, right? Because why? He did nothing. (laughs) Sorry, Joe. (laughs) All you Joes out there (laughs) in the book of Joe. (laughs) It's one verse. Joe was born, did nothing, died. Life is marked by the people who are active and living it. And our lives are going to be marked with that too. And we might not have a nation or raise a nation, but we have interaction with people that make a difference. The things that we've been able to do with one another, things we've been able to do to help, whether it be orphans in Mexico, the kids at Haiti, the things you do with your family, with your kids, your friends being there for people. It marks them in ways that can bring about change. Maybe no one will ever write about it, but it does have power behind it. So let's be mindful of those things. Let's pray. Lord, once again, we are struck by how important it is to interact with people in a good way, in a healthy way. How stories are told about things that have happened that have left an imprint on history. And Lord, I I pray that we would leave an imprint on the future to come by how we live today, that the things we do today will build the future that looks like your kingdom, your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that you would spark life into us, God. I know 
that I have been so numb the past few years and just all the things that have happened, Lord. I, I just feel beat up mentally, emotionally, and literally. But I also feel the need to come alive and to make a difference. And so I pray you would help us, Lord, to do just that in whatever ways we can to do good so that we can influence what is to come. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a very eventful weekend and just sparking my imagination. Got to celebrate Alex's birthday. Got to celebrate... Rick's mom's life, had a meeting about Haiti, had interaction with family, just a lot going on. Life is pretty raw. It happens. And sometimes we feel like we're along for the ride. But may we realize that our future is being written with a pen in our hand, how we adjust to every circumstance we encounter. May we make the most of the events that happen to us and that we contribute to for Christ's sake. God bless you guys. Have a great day again for you guys here. I'd love to hear some thoughts on what we shared. It's my favorite part of the mornings. Uh, for you guys watching, hope you can join us in those conversations at some point. Uh, God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.